Hello, everybody. Hold on, it's just starting. We are live at Radio Regent Park with the State of Mind podcast. Yep. And I am here with my brother, David Stroh. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? And we are going to talk about his experience, and I will let him explain most of it. I sometimes read uh, something from the news at the beginning of the podcast, but today I am going to not do that, so we have more time to chat because there's a lot to cover, and we may end up going into round two. Um, so that's about it. I think uh, I hope everybody is finding some contentment and ease in their life, and if not, that you are finding a way to do that. Excuse me. So, David, uh, <laughs> why don't you say hello and introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about your experience with mental health and et cetera. Hi, uh, my name is Dave Stroh. Uh, I've been diagnosed with schizophrenia and I have uh, been in and out of uh, several psychiatric facilities uh, in my life. It wasn't fun. <laughs> okay, so why don't okay, let's start with um, maybe high school or when we were up to no good. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that, I guess, is getting high and yeah. doing all kinds of all things like that. And so from around that time, um, what started to happen or when did this begin to be something you experienced a lot or dealt with? I, I think, you know, uh, the parents started noticing differences in behavior. Uh, the the uh, obsessive drug use was definitely an issue. And uh, I guess they just felt, you know, that I needed uh, some help. Okay, so what you were ta- telling me earlier about um, things seemed to be okay up until around grade 12. And then, so can you sort of describe what was going on then and what happened? Uh, Everything was great uh, for me in school up until grade 13. I was getting great marks. So Uh, how were you doing that, though, with being stoned all the time and everything else that was going on? I was was able to manage it at the time. I I don't know how else to to say it. I just was able to manage. Okay. And then when OAC rolled around... Uh, everything just went downhill from there for me as far as my my education went i i failed out of school i i finished i think i i was half a credit shy of graduating i got half a credit in grade 7 so at 29 and a half credits after grade 13 and uh and so when what started to happen that made it hard for you to go to school uh, i i had terrible insomnia mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, that was really difficult. I wouldn't fall asleep till four, three, four in the morning. Have to be up at seven, and this was a constant routine for years. Okay, and, and that started to that. Yeah, the lack of sleep. You also talk about that a lot. Uh, yeah. How did that play into everything else? Do you think? Um, I just think that with the, the lack of sleep, it uh, it causes psychosis for me. It well, one of the one of the one of the factors. Yeah, if you, if anybody out there wants to experience what psychosis is like, don't sleep for a few days, and you will be 
that's almost, that, I mean, that's a form of torture, right? Self-deprivation. Yeah, so you can actually, I, I think one thing for anybody out there who's a parent of young children or has experienced extended periods of time with very little sleep, um, you can sort of maybe have an introductory idea as to really what starts to happen to somebody when they're not well. Um, and as you said, too, you're getting high all the time and et cetera. You're not sleeping. And so, of course, you know, some of the negative impacts. I, on I, that I are, know I tried in grade 13. I tried. Tried to what, sleep or? Well, I know I tried to, to, go, to, to, to go to school. Right, yeah. Get my work done, get my homework done. And it just wasn't happening for and, me at that time. And, and okay. it, was, it was incredibly depressing. And I, I was suffering depression for a few years after that. And uh, and I just had a general unwellness, I think, and the, the, the parents noticed it. And and so, yeah, so then I guess you had, yeah, you were not well, and then you had your first experience, I guess, with the healthcare system or whatnot, right? So you had a, I guess, what's described as a psychotic episode, and then... You managed, well, I guess, I don't know how it happened, but you ended up at the hospital. Yeah. Okay. And so what happened the first time around then? Uh, first time through, I was put on a Form 1, I believe it's called, which is they, they keep you in the hospital for 72 hours for observation. And Is it against your will? It, it, it is, yeah. Okay. But, but uh, there, there's a Form 1, a Form 2, and a Form 3. Okay. Um, I can't remember for sure. I, I think Form 1 was the one they put me on. Okay. And it's involuntary admission to the hospital. Okay. So you, once the doctor signs that, you have to stay for 72 hours. Okay. And when I left, they gave me some... Uh, a, a what? So hold on a sec. What was going on in those first 72 hours, if you can remember? Uh, not much. I mean, they just... they 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 we had They interviewed me. Yep. Talked to me, asked me questions about my life, mm-hmm. and uh, that was pretty much it. And they left me alone, and I ate the, the food. Food wasn't great, but yeah, you actually let's talk about well, that now because you sure, often yeah. always, you always, <laughs> and I think it's nice that you have this passion to bring real food into hospitals. I don't think you're the only one because yeah, the food yeah. in any the funny department is pretty gross or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, uh, one of my stays at North York General Hospital in the psychiatric ward. They asked me, they said, what do you think about the food? And I said, well, I said, honestly, the food's terrible. And they boil, and they, they, they're down there in the kitchen boiling the vegetables and boiling other stuff. Vegetables? Yeah. So you actually got sort of food? I guess, if you want to call it that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they boiled everything, and it takes all the nutrients out of the food when you boil it, I think. Ah, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, so the food is Suffer. gross. It was gross. Yeah. And I, remember, I always remember over the years – you would, I guess you'd have, you had this sense of empathy for the people who didn't have family supporting them, so to speak. So yeah, when we would bring you food or, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. you always would mention how, I guess, bad you felt for the other people to eat, having to eat that crap. Or yeah, whatever. that was especially at Ontario. Do you want to talk about Ontario first? Right well, now, or well, maybe after, but that, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, when we get when we get there, I'll I'll, I'll talk about the the food when we okay. Get to so okay, so sorry, I kind of caught it, took us off track there. Uh, so you're at Sunny was Sunnybrook, Sunnybrook the first time. Sunnybrook. So you had your first admission. 
your the doctors are sort of interviewing you, so to speak. And were you kind of aware of what was going on, or were you just like, I need to get the hell out of here? Why am I here, kind of thing, I or what was happening? Why am I here? Um, at the at the start, yeah. And uh, gradually, as the years passed, I became um, more aware that I needed to take a medication right. to, to function okay. properly. Sorry, yeah. people. I want to make sure that I'm recording this. Yeah, I am. Okay, because I screwed up last time. Sorry. Okay. Um, okay, so so then you get out of Sunnybrook. Yeah. They, they, do you want to name the medication? Sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. They gave me something called olanzapine. It's also called Zyprexa. Yeah. And... Was it uh, pill form or pill form. yeah? Okay, yeah. Um, and it it seemed to work. Like I didn't have such you know, paranoid thoughts yeah. and symptoms, and I thought, okay, I'm I'm fine, I'm fine. And I and I told the guy I didn't want to see him anymore. That was the doctor. That was the doctor. Okay, I said I'm fine. I don't want to see you anymore. He said you need to take your meds, and I just said, you know, forget forget you and yeah. And then that was it until, you know, the symptoms persisted. Right. And so, yeah. family felt that I needed to be in hospital and, you know, be arguing with my mother about trivial things that I would never even think twice about today. Right. And just, you know, screaming and, and raging. And, and so what's the difference? So I, you said you wouldn't – today, those aren't things you would think or do. So how – did that process happen i guess like what what goes on when you i don't know maybe you gain the awareness or you gain this sort of well just like like yeah. as you grow older you know you mature and so that was part of it too part probably of it, yeah being immature okay yeah. okay so so the first um i guess experience with the system was sunnybrook and then you know, it's, I don't remember sort of all the details, but so then you were out for a while and then well, I, what's, I was what's going thinking, on? It got so bad with mom that she kicked me out of the house. Okay. Eventually. She just said, get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. Well, okay. But in well, some ways, reasonably. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like she just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was. Because without our well, parents. It was without yeah. Yeah. And without our parents, and this is, I think it's important to point out, people that don't have family support, their outcomes are incredibly lower than those that do have, well, no, people with, oh, sorry, people with family support have much higher positive outcomes than those people that don't. And I think both of us are quite grateful and lucky uh, for all the things that our parents have done for us. Um, okay, so you so, so she, she yeah, so you're out of the house. Me. Yeah, I go to the Salvation Army. Yeah, I go to the bus station. I call the Salvation Army. He said, "Okay, we got a bed for you." It was I went I went down to it was down at Queen and Sherborne. Yeah, and uh, was not a fun time. <laughs> Scared yeah. out of my mind. Can you shut that door for me? Just behind you. Some noise in the other area of the studio. Okay. Sorry about that. Yep. So you go to the and what this this wasn't right after Sunnybrook. It was soon after. Oh okay. Soon after. Okay. Uh, so I stayed there overnight. 
the next day, I got robbed. In the in the outside, outside. Oh wow, Jesus! Trying okay. to buy, trying to buy drugs. Okay. I got robbed by some guy. Yep. And then, and I really felt unsafe, and I was like, "Forget this! I'm not st- staying here another moment." I went to North York General, where they admitted me. Yep. And so you checked yourself. I in. checked myself in. In the emergency room. Emergency. Or? Okay. You have to go through emergency. Okay. And then. The next morning, the doctor came in. He says, you know, we think you're suffering from mental illness. Yeah. And I said, uh, I didn't know what to say. And then I and then they were like, well, we'd like you to take this. I practiced the olanzapine. And I fought them on it. Did they, when, so when they you had that discussion, did they ask you, I assume they knew you had been in Sunnybrook, but maybe not. Um, did they ask you any of those questions? Like, have you been on medication for this? Have you talked not to really. doctors? I think what happens is they... They have the chart shipped over to yeah. to the other hospital, so they know what your all your past. Okay. Uh, so this is your second. Well, oh, that's loud. Your second experience. Uh, second admission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so you're fighting them on. Yeah, it? Yeah, fighting them on it, uh, and uh, I got as much reading information, reading material as I could about how this, how the psychiatric system works how the hospital system works and i wanted to go in front of the consent and capacity board for those of you who don't know there's a board that reviews and sees patients regularly or i think if you're if you're if you're in hospital and you're admitted and you're against your will every six months there's a review mm-hmm. from the consent and capacity board and then they decide whether you should stay go so, right. Okay. I think yeah. also the but the consent and capacity board is also who has legal decision making rights over you, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So they, whether they you can, they, they can they decide whether you're quote unquote well enough. I was going to say sane enough to make decisions over your own, your own life. Dream, right. Your own okay. Your own, okay. Right. Right. So. So. Okay. So, so you I said screw. Board, yeah. I. See, I, I I said, no, I want to see the board. They said, that's fine. Yeah. Went in front of the board. The next day, the decision comes back. I don't have to stay in hospital, but I can be medicated. You mean, so legally you were told you have to take your medication? Or basically, no? yeah. Basically, it's, it's, like, the, the laws have, are so gray yeah. in this area. Yeah. You know, some people, I don't know, are forced into into hospitals mm-hmm. needled mm-hmm. has that ever happened to you i yeah i have been i have taken a couple needles okay and how did what is that it's, how it's does not, that happen or what like what is the process of that happening uh you like i was i was in the hospital and uh i can't remember exactly what it was i was screaming at this person you know like i was just telling them was it um a client or uh, it was like the, one of the client's parents or okay, something. Yeah. And I thought they were up to something. Yeah. And I'm and I'm you know, I'm ranting, I'm raving and they they come into my room and they're like, David, take these pills. I'm like, no, I'm fine, leave me alone. Yeah. They said, No, you take the pills and I said no. And they, they picked me up, put okay. me on the bed, put a needle in my butt. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean that's quite traumatic obviously. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very nice. Yeah. Um wow. And so and that I guess speaks to the legal side of all of this. Yeah, so. I, I don't know for sure if 
it's so great. Such a it's yeah. such a gray. It's so great because they don't want people screaming and and causing trouble. Yeah. At the same time, the government says you should have your right right to refusal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a gray area. Yeah. I, I, but I'd have to do some more research again. But. Sure. I think the one. The clearest explanation I can give that I know of is if you are deemed to be dangerous, so harmful to somebody else or to yourself, then the government and I think all of us agree that that is probably the border or the boundary of when care or uh, apprehension or whatever it is can be applied with some sense of, I don't know, (laughs) it's hard to find the right word, but reasonable sort of force or security, right? I mean, I think all of us need to feel safe. safe. Yeah. I think I want to bring up something that that our good friend, your best friend, Jesse, always says uh, when he talks about his own experience uh, being in Inpatient units, he says something along the lines of something, you always meet interesting characters or something in an inpatient unit. And I certainly can relate to that, being visiting you all the time and meeting other sort of interesting people. And I think for the people listening or for family members who end up in the inpatient units in the psychiatric wards, um, I always did my very best to have as much compassion and understanding to the people in there. Because some of the times, you know, we'd be sitting in the cafeteria eating Swiss chalet or something and random individuals would come up to us and ask for food. Yeah, or just say certain things or just behave in certain ways that for a lot of people is pretty uncomfortable. Um, and that's okay. I mean, it is uncomfortable in some ways, yeah. yeah. And to the parents and the kids, you know, if you end up in a hospital, it's not the end of the world, okay? It's it's really not. So, yeah, I think you said something uh, on the way down here about that. Um, you said something along those lines. So beyond that about what can happen or what normally happens when people are not well or something like that. Yeah, Um I can't remember exactly what I said. Okay. But <laughs> just on a positive note, yeah. you know, I work a full-time job. Now. Yeah. I mean, we're done. It's a, it's a green roofing, and it's pretty much done for the season. But, mm-hmm. you know, I work full-time mm-hmm. all summer. Yep. It's um, more than me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. And most people, I assume. Um, or maybe not most. And I was telling Mike the other day that without that medication, I wouldn't be able to work. Right, because I I can't sleep. I I just I don't sleep without it. Right, and and I and I and I was also saying, you know, I see people on the TTC every morning, with their heads, you know, on their shoulder, half asleep, and you know I feel terrible, and I, I want to say to them, look, you know, like why don't you just, you know, try going to see a doctor? I want to say something, but I mean, you can't just walk up to a random person <laughs> on the subway. But no, I see it not. a lot where <laughs> people are they're tired and mm-hmm. people aren't sleeping, and. It's it's a to me it's a big deal. Cool. And how about um, one thing I want to ask you is throughout you know I don't know geez the years of all of this yeah. um, maybe more so in the beginning I do remember and I 
have said it before, but I'll say it again. Um, a bunch of our buddies were incredibly helpful, um, and understanding and willing to be there. Um, so remember Tuesday's basement, we've spent a lot of time there. Anyone out there who's listening (laughs) is well aware of Tuesday's basement. And there were a lot of times where you were really sick. Um, and we would sit there and it was just kind of like hanging out and it was clear that you weren't well. Um, but everyone just accepted you and you were okay there. I think, I don't know. Do you remember sort of those times? I remember being in in Tuesday's basement. When you were not well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Okay. And did you... Which one? St. Clair or the other one? I think it was mostly St. Clair. St. Clair. Yeah. So what was that? How was that for you? You know, you're not well, but you're in this room full of guys. And we were all doing things that probably weren't helpful, but um, doing things as in (laughs) substance stuff. Um, But yeah, what was it like to be welcomed in a sense and accepted even though you weren't well yeah it was nice like i uh, I, f- I found that you know even though i've been in the hospital di- diagnosed with mental illness everybody nobody treated me any differently was, well, but i, I mean do you think some people did or oh yeah right out of that group yeah. of guys yeah um yeah they were really pretty incredibly yeah, were, lovely for sure. and i remember uh, our buddy Scott, I, I, a few different people, and John, or one of the well, there's lots of Johns in our worlds. But we would come and visit you at the hospital. I remember a few times at North yeah. York specifically. Um, and one thing I I'm curious to ask you is I am when I'm describing these situations in other environments, I often say some of the as a family member. Uh, some of the best things that I thought I did was at least just sit there. I think God knows how many hours we spent just sitting in silence or just having people around, I think, seems to be helpful. And I think a lot of families or friends have uh, genuine motives to want to be helpful um, and want to get in there and try to fix things or try to, you know, it's whatever, a, it's but not an easy fix. So no. And also, sorry, the last thing is what do you think the difference is or between someone just being there with you right. versus being there sort of with an intention to make something different or something? Does that make sense? You mean, uh, someone who's just there to support you? As opposed to someone who's there to support you, but as a family member, they want you to get help. More yeah, maybe not necessarily a family member, but... They want you to get the help you need. Yeah, or what... So how about this? This is a better question. What was helpful for you with friends and family when you were in hospital? Just just having someone visit you is is a lot. It's a lot. It right. means a lot. Nice. Um and maybe can you describe reason like it some people have reasonable fears or anxieties if they are family or friends about visiting so yeah. can you talk to that maybe sort of how that would is a normal thing maybe to feel or what about that 
Yeah, it, it's, you know, if you're in the hospital and you don't want to be there and you're mad at your, your folks or you're mad at your friends, the ones that come to visit you, you know, they're there, they're supporting you. You know, you may not be having the best time, but they're, if they're there, they're there to support you. They're not there to make fun of you, you know, laugh at your situation. Mm-hmm. You got to realize that, like, that, that they're there for a reason and they want to help you. Cool. And it's not, they're not, they're not joking around about your situation. Right. It's a genuine appreciation, I think, of your situation that when people come to visit you. Okay. And I was thinking about the period. So the last sort of in our somewhat scattered timeline here, um, you had checked yourself into North York General, right? the Consent and Capacity Board. They released me. Right. But I had to take medication. Okay. And was that the start? Because there was a, a period um, of time, a few years actually, where you were pretty in pretty good shape yeah it was was it around that time so was this one of the times that you had an extended period of wellness or whatever or was just yeah taking the medication regularly because then do you remember you stopped smoking you stopped drinking you were running yeah, yeah. i was just it was somewhat hard to believe <laughs> what you had done yeah. uh so what I remember just coming home from work and I'm smoking. Were, and you were doing the movie the thing? The movie thing. Okay, there. yeah. And I was smoking a cigarette and I just put it out and I said, that's it, I'm done. I put it out three right, years Right, yeah, later. you must start smoking too. So hold yeah. on. So what was going on? What helped you get to that point? Like what was it about your I, life or I'm whatever? I'm not really sure. I just was out back yeah. at mom's house and I just put it out and I said, that's it. And that was, that was it. I don't know. But then you just like, you were running. Yeah, yeah I mean I you're doing all kinds of really impressive things. Yeah, I think that's how I was staying well as well. Right. Okay. And and today, you know, we're playing hockey two or three times. I'm playing hockey two yeah. or three times a week. So, but hold on. Okay, wait. Go back to that. So you were, what was going on inside your head? Like, how, did you have some sort of acceptance for what was happening with you? Were you thinking about that much, or were you just kind of along the lines of I just want to be well and feel well or something yeah I think that I recognized that I needed to take medication yeah and once I recognized that then things sort of start to go better in your life okay okay so it's hard to sort of know the timelines um okay so then I'm just thinking about the time well, sort of how – was this around the time that we started playing poker? Yeah, when we lived together? Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of when it that started? The the jogging and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that was – yeah, it was about that. We were right. playing poker. Okay. And so we were playing poker and we were winning some money and then – I then, was working a little bit a couple, couple right. times. Right. The, the, it was difficult. The film industry, it's so um, – Sporadic, sporadic or something, yeah. A good word to put, yeah. You work for a while, then you don't work, and right. And the long, there's long hours, and that just killed me. It was, it was the hours were so much. I had to, I had to stop working. Right. I remember consistently being dumbfounded how you just stopped doing all these things because personally, I was not able to do that. And then 
I don't. I, I there's there's no. I I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> I just put the cigarette out and that was it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Um. Okay. So then, so you're working, you're exercising, all these things are happening, and then, um, what? So then something started to deteriorate or whatever. Was well, it you stopped taking the medication no, or you no, decided? I just, I just kept smoking. So you were smoking weed or yeah, you started smoking started, weed again or something? Well, what happened was, I didn't know, now I remember. I, I was not taking the medication completely. So was it because you thought since things are going quite well or whatever, I'm not going to do it? Or? No, I just thought I'd, I just, yeah, something like that. Okay. I don't know. If, I just decided not to take it anymore. Okay. And I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, nothing like that. Right. And then I got taken to the hospital by the dad. And because he found they found like excess medication that I hadn't been taking. Right. Okay. How did I flush it down the toilet? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, it was there. So you went back. And then and then on the way up, I was I said stop at the convenience store. I bought a pack of cigarettes. I was like, if I'm going to the hospital, right? I won't, I'm not. I'm going to smoke cigarettes. Right. Okay. So and this was North York General. This is North York General. Okay. And then, uh, I think soon after that, uh, they released me again. Mm-hmm. And, and did you go back to the apartment? No, no, I was back at mom's house. I was okay. At mom's, and I was still smoking uh, marijuana. Right. And she just had had enough of it, you know. And well, because that was wasn't that a condition of living there or something like that? Something. Uh, I remember that actually. I remember coming to the house and the. So uh, here, okay, can you talk about? Oh, maybe I'll say this first and then ask you. I do remember that. If it's the same time, I remember one time when you were smoking weed in the house, and the police came to, I guess, escort you, so to speak, yeah. to the hospital. And in this whole scenario, that was the only experience I had face to face with the police, um, and they were incredibly kind. Actually, that they, time they yeah. were. They they were really not. They they were like the. They they didn't. You know, and they could smell the weed, obviously, and all yeah, that other yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, they didn't. They were very kind they about were kind. that. They were very kind. Okay, they so were. what about some of the other uh, experiences? No, I don't think so. Don't, they just asked me. To, they said, "Look, you got to go to the hospital. Yeah, get your stuff. Let's go." And okay, and that's what happened. So, what about other times uh, interactions with the police? Um, one point, well, I was living by myself before you moved in with me. Yeah. And you know I'm I'm hearing voices and mm-hmm. and and you know I, I think that one of them one of them was telling me things are fine everything's fine and I'm like okay everything's fine and then I thought like the end of the world was coming mm-hmm. and I had to go find a new place to live and I I threw a chair through a window in mm-hmm. someone's house and then all I heard was hello and I was just like oh my god like, I so you were kind of out of it for a yeah, bit, was, and then yeah, and then when I heard the voice, right. I just was like, "Oh my gosh, this yeah. is not the end of the world." Right. Okay. And then the the police got called, and right. of course, I mean, out on the street like that, they tackled me. Yeah. And I was okay. I didn't no broken bones or anything, thankfully. Um. But so yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I can't I can't blame them for doing that. Right. Right. It's right. Not like. Um. Yeah, it was somewhat reasonable. I guess. Somewhat reasonable. Yeah. Um. Can you explain, I think it's hard for people to understand, when you are sort of trapped in an experience of a delusion or 
some, even sometimes when you're high out of your mind, whatever it is, whatever's happening to you in that moment is absolutely 100% real, right? Oh, like, sure. so, and then obviously that ends and then you're, you have that experience of, oh my God. Uh, but can you maybe explain what that's like? Because I think a lot of times uh, in the beginning as well, I know I would, if you would say something along the lines of, oh, you know, the the police are watching me or they're following me or something like that. And I would have said, because I just had no idea what was going on, I would argue with you about the paranoia or about the fixed belief or whatever they call it, right? So I would say, no, the police aren't there. Like, let's go outside and look. They're not here. See? Um but to you or to anyone for that matter who's having these experiences, there's nothing – is there anything that someone can say to you that makes you believe it? Or do you need to have that moment of clarity, so to speak, you where you can – You definitely need a moment of clarity. Some, it's hard to find the right words Yeah, you know, to say in, almost, in any situation. You know, you're not always going to say the right thing uh, or the right. most appropriate thing. Like that moment. for the person who's trying to talk to you about it, or are you personally, you mean? And just in, in general terms about anything in life, really. Oh, know? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's so hard I, to find the words sometimes. Yeah. To say the right thing to the person to have have them have like a – A moment of clarity. Okay, right, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, because I think that's really hard. So what – I do know some of the things that now, in retrospect, I know would be more helpful. And I know – you know, with little kids, I have little kids and just not trying to argue with people about their experience of reality in some sense is really helpful because I think we often get caught up in our own emotional turmoil, wanting this person to see things the way we see them and how could they look at it this way. But just, I know, had, in retrospect, had in those conversations with you, had I said something along the lines of, wow, that sounds really scary to me. I don't know what that must feel like or thinking those kind of things. Well, that sounds really scary. And that's it. Like, I don't have to argue with you over what I think is happening. Um, and I think that's a big helpful thing for people out there who might have family members or friends that are in rough space. It's yeah. just you don't have to make them see things differently. You don't have to argue with them or get them to do something that you think they should do. I think it's really helpful just to honor or acknowledge. Yeah. And validate is is another word. You just need to validate someone's experience as real. And when people have the sense of being validated, then their guard comes down. And generally it comes down if it, if they trust that it's sincere and then you have an opportunity for discussion, or at least you have an opportunity for some sort of communication. And there's also a lot of sure. neuroscience behind that in the way our brains work. Uh, our sort of mammalian brain, our old ancient brain that is very animalistic, if it senses fear or danger, it's going to put up the defenses and there's nothing you can say or do to get around that. Yeah, so, so sometimes, yeah. um, no matter what you say, right. It's, it's not going to be the right thing. So right. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So there you go. Sometimes you just can't say anything. Right. And maybe 
to acknowledge that and not say anything is probably helpful. Okay, so the second time around, or as this extended period of care you were having, you know, going through, you stopped taking the meds, so to speak? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, yeah, sorry. You were describing... Uh, the being in rea- uh, out a break from reality, which is a psychosis, and then the encounter with the police, and they tackled you, and then they brought you to where jail? Yeah, they took me. To, yeah, I went to jail. Okay, to where? To the dawn. The dawn, yeah. Okay. And I stayed there. I think it was four or five days, maybe. And I think from a family perspective, I don't think that we knew that you were there, uh, at least at this point. Yeah. And so. I think this might have been the time uh, when I came went at College Street at the courthouse. Okay, so you're in there for five days. I think we managed to find out that you were there, right. which was also actually quite difficult to do because I don't think the police, so to speak, or are, are necessarily allowed to give out that information. So I'm not sure how we figured that out. Right. But um, So then I remember coming to see you at the dawn, and I guess... I don't. I don't remember what we spoke about at all, to be I, honest. I don't really remember. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, and then it was to the College Street Courthouse. I'm almost no, Queen Street Courthouse. Yeah, you said Queen Street. I for some reason I th- think it was College. Where, no, there's one at College oh, too. Oh, there's one. At college? Yeah. Okay. So I think it was there anyhow. And and so then there, I remember it was the second time seeing you behind the glass, like in the movies. Yeah. And then. And so the idea was to get you from the Di- regular... Di- diversion program. Okay, yeah. Can you tell us about that? Diversion program is something that the courts use for people that have uh, mental health issues. Okay. I'm going to check on our little video here. Okay, okay go on, okay. go on. Uh, yeah. So it's if, you, if you're having mental health issues of any kind and the courts don't feel that you're well, and you may not be responsible, 100% responsible, yeah. responsible for your crimes oh, or for whatever, you, <laughs> whatever they're charging you with. Okay. And, and so... So I yeah. went... And, and then basically you have to... I went through... Well, I'll talk about the second time. Another was a different time. Okay. But diversion is... They basically... If you are a good person, from well, they're trying to rehabilitate, in this sort of sense, right? Okay. If you're if you're good and you're well on good behavior, behavior, okay. And they they they, I can't remember what they call. You slowly, well, I assume it's something along the lines of you get your rights back or something like that. I'm able to leave the country, and okay, some some people who who have criminal records can't leave the country. Right. Okay. I don't know. So you sort of get re. I'm not sure about all the details Uh of that, but that's okay. Um, so then, yeah, I'm trying to remember in the timeline. Okay. So then was that to, I don't remember. Let's see how much time we got here. Okay. So why don't, so where were you living then? Okay. So we got you into the diversion program yeah. and do you remember where you were living yeah, then? I was living on, on bathroom. Okay. Bathers. Okay. And then you came to live with me. Right. Which probably wasn't helpful. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so we were living together, and that's yeah. when we were doing the whole... That's when I was doing the canine band stuff, yeah, I think, cool. right? Yeah, that was really cool. 
Okay. And those guys were really kind and helpful. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of, I remember it wasn't good. It wasn't good. For either of us. No, um, and so then. I moved back in with mom. Okay. And then I think one of your friends moved in with you. Yeah. And then, okay. Yeah. And then, but then you ended up moving out again, right? So were you well? You like because well okay so but you I thought, I thought it was okay okay and were you working do you remember yeah, I was I was working and we we're, were living in a rented condo and there was some nefarious things going on <laughs> okay yeah so you were who's you were with somebody else right so with somebody else okay yeah. and the police caught up with us again yep or me specifically yeah and I was taken to the dawn again okay where I spent a week there. It's not a fun place to be. Uh, one guy, I got punched in the face. Yeah. And another guy was trying to fight me. And I I kept walking away from him, walking away from him. He wouldn't leave me alone. And I just basically said, dude, like, leave me alone. Or I don't know. You know, I, you have to, jail's not a fun place. And sometimes you have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And he left me alone after that. So luckily there was no. And were you... You were, I assume you weren't very well, so to speak, but how, and so then you're in the dawn and then did you, I can't remember if we came or not. Did you go into a diversion program yeah, or something yeah. or what I happened was in exactly? diversion program again. And I also oh. took some, I took a, I don't know, it was a class or program at CAMH yeah. for uh, drug recovery. Okay. And the, the court's happy to see stuff like that. Right. And things went well. So my, my, my case was diverted again. Okay. And then what brought you to Ontario Shores? Uh, Ontario Shores. So it was, was around the same time, I think, right? It was very close to that time. Okay. Ontario Shores is a long-term healthcare facility that I ended up at. Yep. So what happened was I came home from work and I had a, I, I had a joint and I was going outside to smoke it and my mom says, hey, you got to take your medication. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I will. And then I like, I just walked past her, went outside. Next thing I know, the ambulance shows up, and the they're like, they're saying, oh, you have to take your medication. I said, I'm going to as soon as I go inside. And but it, at that point, it's too late. They're they're going to take you to the hospital. So I took, I ran, and yep. uh, the cops picked me up again, mm-hmm. and that was fine. They 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 cuffed me, and nothing. They didn't they didn't do anything other yep. than that. Okay. Took me to the hospital. To North York? To North or? York again. Yeah. And then the doctors decided that I needed to go to the long-term health care facility for a while, which is Ontario Shores, which is in Whitby. And it's – the, the facility's nice. There's a basketball court. Uh, they, they gave me uh, privileges right away to leave because I never if – you, if you try to run from the hospital, it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. It's just not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like running from the police. Yeah, yeah, I was sort of thinking that. Yeah. Um, okay, so you. So I end up there. Yeah. The f- the f- uh, I had some money. I was getting uh, ODSP at the time, mm-hmm. so I had some money. The food was awful. I I felt uh, it was. I felt terrible for the people that couldn't afford. Yeah. To not eat the food, and uh, luckily I had enough money to go to the Tim Hortons, get a coffee in the morning. 
buy some. There's a there's a restaurant up the street and there's right. a cafeteria. And one of our cousins, who was very lovely, uh, took you like to go play hockey or something. Oh what, yeah, what right. Uh, um, one of my cousins. Yeah. She was so kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, she took me three. Uh, was it uh, Monday, Wednesdays? It was either two or three times a week. She would lug my bag to Ontario Shores from her house in Whitby, take me to the rink, let me go play for a couple hours, and then pick me up after, drop me off, and take my bag my bag back to her house <laughs> and store it for me for five months. Amazing. Uh, six months, yeah. yeah. And that's how long you spent there? Yeah, that's how long I spent there. And so what? how was that? So that's obviously an example of family support. Yeah, sure. How did that help... Um, in your experience, time there. I well, it, it's nice to get out of the hospital for a couple hours, you know, off the property, off yep. the grounds. Um, and did you guys talk much about anything or just not really, normal just, stuff? Just normal, yeah. Normal ch- right. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think sometimes also people think, you know, you have to say the right thing or you have to whatever, find the, you know find a way in there but i think most of the time people just want to have normal conversations because yeah. you want to feel quote-unquote normal or you don't want to have to focus on i guess the problem all the time i guess yeah. right kind of thing so i was there for six months and yeah. what so what type of health care was going on there what you know what were you learning um, about what were they doing for you how did that I work i saw the doctor about once a week yeah and what about like a social worker or a, a therapist a, or anything a, like that? There was a psychotherapist uh-huh. that I saw once a week and we just chit-chat. And was that helpful? A little bit. We only saw her. It only happened near the end okay. of my stay there. Yeah. So I only saw her about three or four times. And so why was why did it only happen towards the end? Because I think they brought them in. They they were just starting to bring the psychotherapist okay, right. into the hospital. Right. Cool. And and then, so I saw her for three or four times. We didn't get – not much was really – accomplished right nice uh, to talk to somebody i bet yeah and what about was there any group group care or group yeah, therapy there, going? there was like we did uh was that uh, i trying to think it was that uh ontario shores or not but we had this like cooking thing where we would go to the supermarket and get all the we did nachos one time so we, someone would get the cheese someone mm-hmm. would get the olives the jalapeno stuff like that and so we we did like a cooking class like that. That so that was nice to do some group work like that. It was yeah, I bet. Yeah, there's something quite nice about eating uh, with people and yeah. preparing the food and cooking it and and etc. Um, there was also a poker game there that I played and I did I did pretty. Well. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember I played, you talking we should, about. We used to that. play all day. We, we we played for quarters. It was great. Yeah, yeah. You know? Or pennies, I think you even said. No, every chip was a quarter. Oh, okay, got it. So we, so we just we played every chip. Nice. Yeah. Um, I know our, Jesse, our friend Jesse, in the Consumer Survivor or the Peer Mental Health Community, the Ontario Shores, he always says, is affectionately known as the spa. The spa. <laughs> <laughs> so compared to all the other places you went, it was by far sort of of a nicer quality or something in terms of care, in terms of the space. The space was nice. The, you know, you could go and pick up a basketball whenever you wanted. And it was on the lake too, wasn't it? Not? It was on the lake. Yeah, it was right, right on Lake Ontario. 
in Whitby. Nice. And did you guys ever go out to the water and sit there or do anything like that? No, I don't think anything like that. (laughs) They probably may have worried that people... Would jump in and go swimming? Something like that. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. The grounds were quite big, though. It It was really... And... And were you um, on the same medication, or what was that part of that stay I'm, as well? I'm, finding the, the right medication is the same medication I take today. Right, and I assume throughout those six months, you came. Oh, we didn't. Uh, we wanted to talk about you know other stays that you had or interactions with doctors and healthcare providers right. you were really frustrated and angry and maybe I was frustrated uh with so maybe and maybe not accepting what was going on which fuels it, the anger it, it does it's it's hard to accept that you need help i don't i think everybody's maybe in that same boat at mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. it's just hard to say to say i need help yeah you know our society is built on you know people being strong in the workplace mentally mm-hmm. and when pe- someone has a breakdown sometimes it's not like you you know you have health coverage you break your leg okay you can, you're off work for six months but the doctor says you're depressed and the insurance company might say well we don't agree right you know it, it's it, it's not like with a broken leg, you look at the X-ray. Oh, well, it's a broken right. leg. <laughs> right, right. But with uh, mental health issues, a do- one doctor might say, "Okay, yeah, you're 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 suffering depression. You need to stop working for a while." And then their doctor, the insurance company doctor, would come along and say, "Well, I don't see it that way." Right. And then we're going to fight you on the the long term uh, disability. Right. LTD, I think they call it. Right. Right. So yeah, so a lot of times you had this sort of, you know, fair and deep kind of maybe anger or frustration with the fact that this was your situation. It was my situation. Yeah, that's a good way to to put it. Okay, and so then, but there must have been something, well, I don't know, uh, that happened at Ontario Shores where did you come, did you have a new relationship with that or what happened that has led, because that was... Six and a bit years ago, yeah, seven years seven ago, years almost. Ago. 2012, yeah. December. I got picked up to, to go home December 25th, 2012. Amazing. Okay, so what was going on in those six months that have led to the next six years of your life? To the well, and well, so tell us about well, that, and then had, tell us I, about I, what's I had, happened. I had to live at a halfway house, right? Which is for, beside my son's school, right? We see for the, six months. Yeah, and I had to share a room with another guy. And there was one TV for like 10 This years. was after Ontario after Shores. Ontario yeah, Shores. okay. I remember coming to see that room. Yeah, it was horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. And eventually mom said, you know, you can come back to the house. These are the rules, you know. Yeah. And and I've been there. I've been living there ever since. And So hold on. Wait, though. What happened at Ontario Shores or throughout this period that made you say, okay, I, need I don't to want to deal with that crap yeah, anymore. That's, and that's, that, that was a lot of it. Yeah. And I think I just was mature enough. And I had enough life experience yeah. where I said, okay, look, Dave, you need to take these medications. Right. Like, there's just no two ways about it. Right. Or, or, and that's okay. That's okay. It's right. okay. Right. Like, I, I, I came to the conclusion yeah. that it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll be okay. So how do you think that we, you know, as a society or friends or family, how do we help? Because that, I think, with anything that's going on, 
whatever the illness is or whatever the life struggle, it really is hard as humans to come to that acceptance of it's okay to be messed up or like, I don't know what it is, but how do we, because it is such, once we find that space, right. it's incredibly healing and freeing and liberating and et cetera, but it's so hard to get there. So how can people question. help? I, yeah. It's a good question. You know, if, you, if you're suffering or you think someone's suffering, you can go to emergency or you can phone Cam H. I know the wait, the wait list can be ridiculous mm -hmm. in some cases mm -hmm. for people. And I don't really profess to have the answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really don't. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the answer That's is. That's nice. That, that is a good answer. Um, okay. So you stayed in the, that, God, that place at, uh, around St. Clair and Bathurst. And then you moved home. So maybe you could tell us, well, one, uh, thank you parents for all your yeah. patience yeah. and love and support. Yeah. And without you. you, who knows where the hell, uh, we would be. Yeah. Um, and you often talk about the gratitude you have for that and for our yeah, lovely mother. Yeah. Um, and, and so then you've had some random, I don't know if it's random, but you've had these moments of entrepreneurial spirit throughout the years. Um, so maybe you can tell us a bit about that now, what you're doing with that. And sure. then also maybe you mentioned the hockey, but like, tell us about other things you're doing and maybe, you know, you, you and Jesse and how that's helpful and maybe the, uh, the other meetings that sure, you guys go sure, to and sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, I started doing a program at Cam H called B BTCN beyond the cuckoo's nest. Mm -hmm. And, um, basically what happens is they bus in students from different high schools across Ontario. And I tell my story about what happened to me and what, what it done. And hopefully I can impart a little wisdom on them. You know, it's, I'm not saying, you know, stop doing drugs because it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to, I try to send a harm reduction message the best I can. Yeah. And how does it help you emotionally or does it, what does it do for you to be there telling your story honestly and having those interactions with the kids? I, that's a good question. <laughs> I assume it's enjoyable it, in some it is, sense. It is. It's it's relieving and 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 rewarding to be able to tell your story. And you know, just when you look, I read. I often read from a paper, and when mm -hmm. I look up, and you just see, you know, nobody's twiddling their thumbs, and everyone's paying attention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's nice to know that they're listening. Yeah, right? beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, so you do BTCN, uh, and what else do you do uh, I'm for yourself? Working we're almost done for the season, but I yeah. was working for a green roofer. Yeah. So we work on new condos and built condos. Right. And you, and uh, basically it's pretty incredible, but so you actually, and this is something I've never been able to do. You go to bed early and you wake up really early, yeah, really early. and you freaking take the DTC wherever you need to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. Amazing. Um, and you work long, hard days too. Yeah. We, yeah, we work hard for sure. It's, it's, it's good for me. Physically and mentally, mm -hmm. you know, to, to get up early, go to work. I get to work outside all day. 
and the lifting heavy soft And do you have to, does your employer know about your health situation? No, he doesn't. Okay. Yeah. And do you care if he does? No, I, I don't care. Yeah, okay, cool. Because basically because you're. Like I just, I don't, I'm not just going to like walk up to him and say, Of hey, course, man, yeah, of hey, course. Man, I, got, I got this mental illness. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, of course. But I think your actions speak for themselves, right? Like yeah. you're on time all the yeah, time. You work that. hard, yeah. Yeah. I've been late maybe twice in two in two years. I've been working for the guy. Amazing. And yeah. one of the times my alarm didn't go off, and the other time I think I, I thought I hit the snooze, but I turned the alarm right <laughs> off. By right. So, That's funny. Yeah. Okay. And so, what about your uh, entrepreneurial ventures uh, or spirit? Yeah, I, that comes out um, now and again. I don't know if you guys can see. This is my hat and my shirt, and uh, it's called Davy Boy Brand. Yeah. So I took a lowercase D and B. Fold it in, cut out the center. But the, the the thing that I love about it is the the, the dimensions, the ratio of my rectangle yeah. is pi to one. Okay, and what does that mean? Pi pi is the they known as the golden ratio. Uh huh. So if you were to take a circle and draw a line from the center of the circle to the diameter mm-hmm. and multiply it by three point one four, or sorry, if you divide the circumference the is it the circumference? <laughs> I am not the right person yeah, to ask. So if you take a circle and mm-hmm. you divide the, the the total length of the circle by the by the diameter from the center to the edge, it ends up being three point one four, and the number divides on forever. It okay. never ends. So that's known as the golden ratio. Okay. So that's that's the ratio that I. Um, and does it have some sort of special meaning for you, so to speak? Uh, not really special, but okay. I just I'm just. Had a like a moment where I I thought up the rectangle, yeah. and I was going to get a hat made at Lids, and I said, "Oh, pie," you know. That, that was okay, cool. On my way to like literally on my way to the store. Anyway, um, and so lots of our friends uh, sport your gear, yeah, which yeah, is cool to see. Yeah, I have a lot of support from people. Yeah, friends awesome. And family, yeah, amazing. Um, anything else? Uh, you play hockey a lot. Yeah, I play a lot of hockey. That's been great. What about oh yeah? What about the peer support stuff? Like Jesse's obviously been a helpful I tr- I friend in your life. Not no, I don't mean working in it. I just mean in general. So you have well, having, Jesse having, having peer support. Yeah, you go to the to the meetings to so the to our meetings. Yeah. How do you find that? Is that helpful? Yeah, having a friend like Jesse has been amazing. Cool. And what about the our meetings that we go to? How do you find those? I mean, you obviously, you keep going, so yeah, there must well, yeah. be something about it. I enjoy the interaction with the people. I like hearing people's stories. Yeah. It's great. Um, you learn a lot about yourself and other people, and the, you're not alone in this world. You know, if, you have, if you're having drug issues or mental health issues mm-hmm. or emotional issues, you know, you're not alone. You're not the only one. There's, there's, there's hospitals that are built. For people, right? <laughs> right. right? I mean, like, they're there. Mm-hmm. They're there, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. That's awesome. Um, and so there we are, basically, towards the end. We are probably going to have round two at some point. Um, maybe Great. we'll we'll bring Jesse in and the three of us can get into some of these things more. Um, any other last thing that you want to say? No, I think we covered everything. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think we are both inter- eternally grateful to all our friends yeah. and family that have helped along the years uh, and continue to. We love you very much, and our parents especially. Yeah, I love you, Mom, Dad. Um, 
and my wife, I must include in that, and my lovely children. Um, 